I never thought about Airbnb. To me, it just seemed like a hassle because you had to, you know, have cleaners come in, and I just couldn't sure. wrap my head around that's a lot of turnover and how's that going to work. Yep. So I was looking, was chatting with a friend, and he was like, "You got to look into it. You got to look into it." So I was like, "Okay, I'll look into it." So I started running numbers for some properties out in the Smokies, and I was mind blown. I couldn't believe it. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. Welcome back, Threefold listeners. I hope you're having a great week. Today, Jeff Album is joining us from Austin, Texas. Um, Jeff and I have gotten to know each other a little bit over the past few months. Um, he's more into Airbnbs. Uh, that's what he's got going on right now, but uh, very into multifamily as well. So we're going to kind of hit on both today. Uh, Jeff graduated from Cal Poly as an engineer. Did that for a little while, but became really interested in uh, real estate and was able to work his way into doing it now full time. So um, know some of you uh, are interested in doing that yourself. So we're going to find out how Jeff did it, how, why, all that. Um, first of all, Jeff, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Lee. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. Um, so hey, Jeff, take us, take us all the way back. Uh, we know you're an engineer, but kind of tell us a little bit about what you're doing as an engineer, like what your life looked like. And then what got you interested in real estate? What, what planted that seed? What got you started? Yeah, for sure. Um, so like, like you said, I studied engineering in college and I was fully convinced I was going to be an engineer the, my, the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. My goal was to build Iron Man. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to build the Iron Man suit. And so I was like, I got to study engineering, learn how to do it. And uh, probably my junior or senior year, I read a book that I think every real estate investor has, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. And it totally opened my, opened my mind. So I was like, yeah. okay, this makes sense. Buy assets, you know, don't buy liabilities. Um, and so I, I thought about switching my major, but I was like, you know what? I've gone all this way through. I'm, I'm almost done. I'll work as an engineer and I don't have any money right now because I'm in college, but yep. at a certain point I will have money and I can start investing. So I want to yep. learn everything I can about investing now so that when I do finally start to have some money, I can, I can pull trigger. Yes. So that's what I did. So I started reading every real estate book I could listen to bigger pockets uh, all throughout the rest of college and got a job as an engineer. So now fast forward, I'm working as an engineer. Uh, it's a, it was an awesome company. It was a really, really good gig. Um, and I was living in the San Francisco Bay area of California. So mm -hmm. cost of living is obviously super high, but because of that wages tend to be higher. Sure. So I was making a, a fairly decent salary, uh, and just living, you know, very much well beneath my means, renting a room in a house, keeping my monthly expenses super low and banking as much of my paycheck as I possibly could. Nice. And started looking into, you know, I had all this, had all this knowledge. I was like, all right, I got to get into this. So started looking at a state, um, I have, I'm the youngest of three brothers. So both my older brothers are real estate investors. So I was picking their nice. brains a ton and they, they recommended, Hey, why don't you look out of state? So I was like, Hmm. Okay. So started looking out of state, started analyzing deals and found the Cincinnati area to just look amazing on paper. Mm. So, uh, started calling agents, started calling property managers and got my first duplex in, let's see the fall of 2018 or maybe 2019. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and so from there I was hooked. So it was an awesome deal. It was a super inexpensive property, yep. um, like not a lot of money down 
and it, it cash flowed pretty well. So I was like, this is really cool. So yep. started just doing that more and more, started buying properties out of state every time I could. Eventually partnered up with one of my best friends from college because uh, he was doing the exact same thing. He was living in California, living beneath his means and yep. investing out of state. And so we decided one day we were on the phone almost every day with each other, like, hey, like, how are you handling this? This happened. You know, what, yep. what how are you doing this? And eventually we looked at each other and we said, why don't we partner? Like we're doing the same thing. We might as well get the same amount of deals in half the time if we, you know, each put 50% of the of the money that we need towards a deal. Yep. So that's what we did. We started buying properties together and nice. it kind of just became, we didn't really intend for it to become a thing, but it just started to grow and grow a little faster than we anticipated. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of found Airbnbs as our fun, interesting niche. Like we were, I was chatting with a friend from college and I never thought about Airbnb to me. It just seemed like a hassle because you had to, you know, have cleaners come in and I just couldn't sure. wrap my head around. That's a lot of turnover and how's that going to work? Yep. So I was looking, was chatting with a friend and he was like, you got to look into it. You got to look into it. So I was like, okay, I'll look into it. So I started running numbers for some properties out in the Smokies and I was mind blown. I couldn't believe it. So I got a property out there basically as a, like in my head, that was money that was going to be totally wasted because I still thought it was a scam. I was like, this, this is just gone. Yeah. Um, and it was, I was calling it basically like a, a trial run. Yep. So bought a property out in the Smokies, uh, set it up with a manager and it did very well. Yeah. So kind of had the proof of concept down. Yep, so from right. there, exactly. me and my partner started buying properties in the Smokies as well. Um, and that's kind of where we're at today. So okay. we just started a, um, a vacation rental management company to kind of, essentially we hire ourselves to manage our properties for us. Yeah. Um, and then you so can do it for others. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Well, there, there's a ton to unpack there, Jeff. Let me, let me jump in. Cause, um, I love what you said there, there at the very beginning. And I think to me, that should be everybody's strategy is what you said about, okay, I, I can't just jump right into real estate cause I, cause I don't have money. And that could be somebody, I mean, certainly that's almost everybody in college, but it can also be a lot of people, you know, 35, like me or, or 45 or 55, just because as you start having kids, I mean, you might be making a good amount of money, but you might be spending a good amount of money. So a lot of people find themselves in that spot of, okay, I don't have a lot of money and okay, sure. Technically you can invest in real estate without any money. If you use other people's fine, but you're really better off if, if you establish a fund for yourself to get into real estate and in the way you did, it was right. Like, okay, let me, I got a good job. And, and if you got to let me save some money so I can get started. And whether you're going to be active, like you were Jeff, um, or whether you're going to be passive, that's really the formula is to start by spending less than you make, save some money and use that money to get into real estate. So I, I think that's, that's a great strategy, you know, cause a lot of people get excited about real estate and say, I want to get in. Okay. But I don't have any money. Well, that's probably step one then like get your finances right. in order, save some money and then get into it. And, and it, you know, it really does start out slow. I mean, it, it does. It, it's a little bit at a time, but you're a great example, Jeff. And, and most people are, I mean, everybody who says it, but like, oh, I almost, I've almost found nobody that's only bought one investment property. I mean, right. most people buy their first thing going, but it does start out slow. I mean, again, you're pretty example of that how much you bought in 2018 to compare to how much you bought in the past year, you know, it's, it's way more like you, you establish right. some momentum, you kind of get going unpack a little bit that first duplex, Jeff, that that's um, your, your brother said invest out of state probably make you, you probably looked around and said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Cause duplexes around here are what a million dollars. Um, yeah. So 
Tell me a little bit more, uh, you know, you know, I'm, lo- I'm located here in Cincinnati. That's how you and I have kind of connected. Um, yeah. What did you see in Cincinnati? What, what did you like so much about it? So I was just looking at strict rent to price ratios. Yep. So I was looking at for 1% to 2% properties and that's, you know, uh, take the monthly rent and then divide it by the purchase price. Let's say you can get a thousand bucks on a yep. monthly basis. If it costs a hundred thousand dollars, a thousand over a hundred thousand is about 1%, but that is 1%. Yep. Exactly. 1%, so yep. Back of the napkin, it'll cash flow. Right. And if it's yep. below 1%, yep. it won't cash flow. If it'll above, it will. So I just started looking around and Cincinnati just seemed like it had amazing, really strong rents and still relatively low prices. Yeah. Um, and besides, like, I'd like to tell you that I did a lot of research into the city and I knew all the population trends, but that, that would be a lot. Like I didn't do really any of that. I yep. was, it was just strict rent to, to price ratios. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's so solid, Jeff. It's very simple, but, um, uh, you know, and, and, and yeah, probably my, my advice would be to, to, to get more information, sure, and, and do all that. But at the same time, I think probably more people wait to get too much information uh, than people that get burned because they didn't have enough information. I, I, I think right. it's vastly uh, weighted toward people that, that you probably had enough information and you didn't do anything versus, hey, you probably should have got more. I, I think usually the risk is in doing nothing because two reasons. One, um, that metric that you said, it it, it's not a, it works every time, but it, it, I think it's a very good start. If you are getting 1% per month. So just like Jeff laid out there, if you're going to buy something for a hundred thousand dollars and you know, a good, I mean, you need to look around a little bit. Am I sure I can get a thousand? Maybe, are they already getting a thousand? Then why can't I get a thousand if they already, are? so if you're sure you can get a thousand and you're buying a hundred thousand, I think it's a pretty safe investment because even if you stop getting a thousand, even if expenses are a little bit higher, if you have some reserves, even if it doesn't do great, you're not going to lose the property. You're going to do okay. You might not right. kill it, but I think you're going to be pretty safe. So I think you're better off kind of jumping in and getting started. So I love that. I, I, I'm a little bit like you, Jeff, as I've grown, and I'm sure you've done this as well. As you grow, you learn more and you, you get more metrics, but I kind of started the same way. Like you, you get enough and you just got to jump in. So obviously right. that property did well for you though. You got a couple more. Tell me kind of about that as you're starting to learn more, starting to cash flow more, starting to build this portfolio. What was that process like? Yeah. So that was a, a first introduction of how spreadsheets can lie. Right. So okay. I think a lot of us have had those situations where you see a property. Yeah. So can I share like the, the metrics? Absolutely. Like the, yes. Cool. So the purchase price of the duplex was 65,000. Um, and my more, I put 20% down. So it ended up being like 12,000. And then with closing costs, it was like 5,000 yeah. and then about, I think another 5,000 in repairs. So okay. call it all in 22 grand. Yep. Um, and my mortgage, my principal interest taxes and insurance was like $494 a month. Got it. All in those, those are fixed costs. Each side rented for about 700 bucks. So it. I was stoked. Yeah. Well was, over you're, you're, yeah. You're like over 2%. You're, you're 2% right. here. Yep. All right, right. So I thought I was awesome. the biggest genius ever. And I was like, I've cracked the code. This is awesome. Um, not realizing that you know, why the property cost $65,000. Yep. Uh, it's, it was an older building. There was a lot of deferred maintenance. Um, and so there were m- a lot of months that I was not cash flowing. I was negatively cash flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of, I built in reserves. So I'm a, I'm a very conservative investor when it comes to having reserves. And so it wasn't like I had put, you know, that wasn't all the cash that I had. Thank yeah, goodness. Right. Um, because even after those, those improvements, there was still a lot of maintenance that needed to happen. So you know, most months I was happy if I broke even, if I got a yep. check back from the property manager, I was over the moon. Um, 
but that was the first introduction of like, man, spreadsheets can lie. Like it's not, and coming as an engineer, that was a new concept to me. Because the lie there, Jeff, was that you were buying the property for 65 because you really weren't, right? Like, because it was going to cost, you know, whatever, 20, 30, you really weren't buying it for 65 because you were going to have to put money into it. So um, it was kind of like your input was incorrect into the spreadsheet. Exactly. Right. Um, So tell me how that that ended up, Jeff. You you put more into it, but eventually you got that deferred maintenance kind of caught up and and then it started cash flowing better. It started cash flowing better. It never got to a point where it wasn't a headache for me. So I, yeah. I bought a couple other properties and then got to a point where I looked back on the previous, I think it was like two years and just realized that, okay, all in all, you know, at the end of the day, I'm making a little bit of money off this, but the headspace it's occupying is, yep. is just too much. Yep. So we made the decision to sell it. Um, and it, I mean, because, I mean, everyone's looked really smart in the last couple sure. of years if you're in real estate. So I don't want to sit here and say that, oh, we made it so, pro-, you know, the, the market helped us out a ton, yep. um, but we were I able say to the sell same it thing. for, yep. yeah. Um, so we sold it and then 1031 exchanged into a, a cabin in the Smokies. Nice, nice. Yeah, the 1031 is so powerful. And that, that's one real benefit of being um, on the active side and doing it yourself or with, or with maybe one or two other people that you can do the 1031. It's harder to do with like syndication. It's our, you know, the more people you get into right. it, but that's awesome. And, and uh, just for people that haven't heard of that term yet, uh, Jeff, t- tell us what the 1031 means. Yeah, for that sure. for so, so basically normally if let's say you buy a house for a hundred thousand dollars and then you go and sell it a couple years later and you sell it for 200,000. So you've made a profit of a hundred thousand dollars, right? The difference between 200 and 100. So under normal circumstances, you'd be taxed on that hundred thousand dollars as either long-term or short-term capital gains, depending on how long you've held the property, um, which can be very high. So you get a, you think you're getting a profit of a hundred grand, but you have to send a big check to the government. um, And so you make a lot less than that. So what a 1031 exchange does is you say, okay, I'm going to go and sell this property for 200 grand. And instead of taking a check for that, the profit, I'm going to go reinvest the entirety of the proceeds into a new property. And what that allows you to do is you can defer that tax payment. So now you basically, you can take that full hundred grand profit that you made and invest it directly into a new property um, yep. without paying any taxes at that time. Jeff, and you also, um, let's say you were into that duplex. Let's say you were into it for 40 by the time you were done. Yep. So you have 40 into it. Um, you make a hundred thousand dollars in profit. Do you have to put the full 140 into the next or just the hundred? So we put the entire 140 into okay. it. Um, I think you... I don't think it does have to be the entirety. I think you can break it up and then whatever. So in this example, let's say you did a hundred out of the one forty, you would be taxed on that 40. But okay. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So you do have to put it all in. That's what I thought. Whatever you have into the property, that and your property, you have to put in if you want to defer, but yeah, you could say, right. Hey, I'm just going to take this much. Then you're taxed on the rest. Right. Right. Um, you know, one, one thing I love about that, Jeff, um, it helps you not go spend your, your profit. So it helps you get that snowball going because it kind of right. forced you like, well, shoot, I, I've got 140 that I could go, could just take 30 of it and go buy a car. But you know, right. I, I guess I'll take the full 440, but that's powerful when you take 140,000 and put it into your next property. Right. I mean, it, you can percent. really build up nice portfolio quickly. Thousand percent. What, what was, I guess, kind of the height of, of, of your portfolio, Jeff, when, when you maybe had bought a few others, you, you and a partner, um, what, what did your portfolio look like? And, and are all of these, I know you bought the, the Airbnbs and, and, uh, then around the Smokies, five, six hours south of Cincinnati. Was the rest of your portfolio in Cincinnati? Was your multifamily stuff in Cincinnati or? Yeah. So all the residential okay. multifamily, it was in Cincinnati and then Northern Kentucky. So Covington mm-hmm. area, mm-hmm. Um, a couple, one in Ludlow. So yeah, Northern Kentucky and, and Southern yep. Ohio. How many units did you have? Uh, 
or do you have? And at the did you peak, have it was like twenty five or so. Okay, and all yeah, those, nice portfolio. Yeah, and they were all all uh, residential multifamilies. Yep, four units so four and units and less. Yep, nice, yeah. nice. Okay, Jeff, tell us a little bit about what gave you the confidence. I mean, if people aren't watching this, you're you're a, you're a young guy, um, so I'm sure maybe that had something to do with it. But tell us about being able to quit your job and, and jumping into this full time or. Or are you just a, a jump and build the parachute on the way down? Um, you're also conservative. So it was a little bit of both. Did you have a nice runway? Just kind of tell us like what gave you the confidence to do that. And, and what did it look like when you finally made that jump? Yeah, hundred percent. So I think anyone who says that it's not super scary is lying. Yeah, um, sure. The way I looked at it was, you know, I'm, I'm in a very fortunate position. I, I don't have a lot of financial obligations or responsibilities. I don't have a mortgage for a primary residence. My cost of living is very low. Um, and I, I moved to Austin kind of because that the cost of living here is a little lower. So it's, you know, I'm saving more money on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, I just kind of made the decision that, you know what, if there's ever a time to do this, it's now, um, because I kind of don't have those responsibilities. I don't have kids. I don't have, um, an expensive lifestyle. So this is kind of the time that I can, I can leave my W2 and have not entirely replaced my income with real estate, but definitely on my way there to the point that I felt comfortable and I wanted to focus the entirety of my time into building that. Um, So there's definitely pros and cons, right? Harder to get loans. That's the big thing that I think a lot of people don't talk about. Um, With the W-2 income, lenders love giving you money. When you take that W-2 income away, it's a lot harder and your interest rate is is much higher. Yep. Yeah. Good, good, good point there. We can kind of jump into that, but appreciate you pointing out that you hadn't replaced your income yet. Uh, Were you to the point where you had, met all your expenses or were you still kind of on your way? Okay. So you were yeah. so you pretty much, Hey, I mean, nothing's guaranteed, but most likely your monthly cash flow is going to cover all your expenses. Right. And that's nice. the, uh, the other beauty of, of lowering your expenses, right? Cause there's two yes. ways to get fi- financial freedom, increase your passive income or yep. decrease your monthly expenses. Yep. Um, so mine was definitely on the decreasing monthly expenses side. So I'm glad you brought that up about it. it is harder to get a loan. Um, I'm in the position myself. We're doing more commercial. So it's a little bit different, but how are you getting around that, Jeff? What are you doing to, to combat that? We're just using commercial loans as well. Gotcha. So it's nice. It's easier than I thought it would be, but it's just a more expensive rate you pay, right? So you don't get access to those. I mean, no one has those super low interest rates yeah. now, but you know, mm-hmm. six months ago, you could get 2.8, 2.9% FHA loans. You know, we, we couldn't have, we didn't have access to those. So you were getting maybe 4% yeah, instead of four, 3, basically? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Jeff, are, are Airbnbs, are there a lot of banks where they see that more as a business and as a commercial loan anyway? Yeah, it's really okay. interesting. So there's a couple lenders now that specialize in short-term rental loans. Oh, nice. Um, and that's kind of their bread and butter. Um, but also you can just get a normal commercial loan and like a lot of, uh, a lot of banks now, or a lot of lenders will do a debt service coverage ratio loan, which traditionally is for you know, larger commercial multifamily, uh-huh. but they'll do it for an Airbnb property because yeah. the, I mean, it's a little bit into the weeds, but, uh, an Airbnb property, you're really buying based off the income, yeah. right? The, you're buying the a little values. business. Exactly. Yep. So it, it's not quite seen that way yet. I think kind of in the future it, it, it might be, which kind of gets me excited. Um, yeah. but it's uh, yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a bit, it's kind of like a hybrid between larger commercial and, you know, smaller residential. Yeah. Nice. I mean, yeah, we're to the point, Jeff, now where uh, everybody knows about Airbnbs. Um, it, it's not a new thing. It's a proven concept. Um, right. So yeah, you could see where a bank would say, okay. I mean, and especially a place like the Smokies, I mean, gosh, they've been doing short-term rentals way before it was popular. Right. I mean, that, that's right. been going on down there for, for so long. Tell me about this, Jeff. Uh, 
this is this is a personal question. Um, you me- you mentioned that your initial uh, thought of Airbnb is that it's too hard to manage. That's mine too. Um, yeah. Just that you know, because I'm so used to, hey, somebody moves out once a year, uh, and then we got to right. go in and clean it. Not somebody moves out every day or two, and we got to go right. in and clean it. So that is the thing. Tell us a little bit more about that. What's been your experience? Um, so it's, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it's all about who's on your team, mm-hmm. right? If you have a good team in place, everything is easier. So. Um, we have a rock star handy person who lives in the Smokies and he's absolutely yep. phenomenal. Nice. Um, we have an amazing cleaning team. And nowadays with apps and technology, everything is automated, yeah. right? So we have a couple subscriptions to a couple different apps. And when, uh, when we get a new booking, first of all, everything is synced on one central platform. So if we get a booking on Airbnb for July 4th, it crosses out July 4th on VRBO and booking.com and the other platforms we're on. So yep. it prevents double bookings, right? And this also, is through, uh, uh, are you paying for this service that does this for you? Correct. It's called Got a it. channel okay. manager. And there's a, there's a bunch of different ones out okay. there, but if you Google channel managers, you know, nice. these will all pop up. Um, when a guest does book, uh, we can set automated messages to get sent out to those guests. So, Hey, thank you so much for booking. It calls them by name uh, and you can write it yourself. So it doesn't sound like a total robot. Um, and then a message gets sent to the cleaning company that says, hey, we have a, a guest that's checking in this day. Please confirm that you, you, you've you got it. So you're going to do a clean. And then yep. they confirm, yep, we got it. They go in, they clean it, they send pictures. Um, so there's the really only active part is, is messaging guests while they're there, right? If they have a question that's not handled by the automated messaging. Um, so our, our plan is to basically hire that part out and then we can continue to grow and scale it because at that point it'll be mostly passive. I guess my, you know, my wife and I definitely thought about it. I mean, we, yeah, living in Cincinnati, we love the Smokies. Uh, so yeah. that's one, that's one spot we've, we've really considered cause we go down there like every year anyway. Um, it'd be cool to be going down and stay in our own place. And I like doing the handy stuff. So, and she's the decorator. So we could, you know, do that once a year. Um, but yeah, it's always been those text messages where we're like, gosh, who, who wants to get a text message? But I, I, I can see where it makes sense to have some scale. Once you have some scale, then it makes sense to hire somebody on to, to do that text messaging part for you. Exactly. As far as where to get an Airbnb, I would imagine to me, a place like the Smokies makes sense because again, it's been going on there for so long. I would imagine as far as finding those maintenance and the cleaners, like that's easier because there's so many of them there. Do you agree with that? And does that make you kind of like, Hey, I only want to buy like in the Smokies and I'm going to name Midwest places because it's what I'm used to, but like Myrtle beach and just some of the other places, a lot of people go up to Lake Michigan and there's spots there is that where you'd, you'd want to buy or would you like, no, man, you, you could do it anywhere. You're always going to be able to find a cleaner and I could buy out in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. Um, if, if people are going to go there. It's a great question. Um, truthfully, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I think you can make a case for, for both. Um, I think there's a lot of data that points to these kind of regional vacation markets. You're Destin, Florida's smoky yep. mountains, Joshua tree, California. Um, maybe even there's like a thousand of them. Sure. Yep. Right. Yep. So I, th- I think those to me make, make more sense than kind of your niche um, markets that are kind of smaller towns. I could be totally wrong. Right. So uh, take everything I say with a grain of salt, but to me, it just, it makes more sense having a proven track record, knowing people like going there and, you know, whatever happens, you know, we're talking about recession, right? Like the economy is slowing down. Are people going to be taking vacations less? Yeah, maybe. But if they do take vacations less, I think there's still a good argument to be made that they're going to go to, those regional vacation markets and not maybe a, oh. a more niche place, right? They're still going to go and 
do Thanksgiving together, do Christmas yep. together, do July 4th together, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and you're probably, I, I would say what you said first there is probably right, but then it probably means there's more competition there too. So it's for sure. Like, right. So, and that's the same way with multifamily. Like, oh, dude, I get it. Austin's awesome. Um, I would <laughs> love to own an apartment in Austin, but the price I would have to pay reflects that, right? So right, right, right. It's easy to say. So I'm, I'm sure it's, a, you know, this is the same way. Like, yeah, Gatlinburg is an awesome place to own an Airbnb and you're going to pay that price getting in. So uh, that leads me right to my next question, Jeff. How are you finding these? What's the best way maybe to, to go about finding one that's decently priced? For sure. So um, we've kind of done the full gamut of it. So we have three yeah. out there right now. Um, nice. The first one I got was just straight on the market. No, no worries. And it was a, with an agent that I absolutely love. She's amazing. She's super easy to work with and super communicative, which I very much appreciate. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of before, I mean, the Smokies have always been kind of hot, but this was in 2020. So it was a yep. little less, you know, it wasn't as crazy. Yes. Uh, the second one we got was with that same agent, but it was in escrow. And so she had called us and said, Hey, I have this property. It's about to fall out of contract. Do you want it? You know, is this nice. something you interested in? So yep. everyone always says real estate's a relationship business, yep. right? So we were super lucky because she thought to call us and, you know, that was the luck of the draw on our part. Um, and then the third one we got was off market. So we set up a cold calling campaign and we cold called probably a thousand different property owners. And one finally said, yes, we've, we've kind of done everything. I think looking back, if we were to do it again, the time it took to call the off-market properties was pretty intensive. So yeah. I think holistically on the market is just the most efficient way to do it. Sure, you're going to pay a little bit of a premium, but the amount of money you save and the, the amount of work that you don't have to do is, I think, worth it. Let, let, let's do a little bit of a transition. Um, I love I love talking to Airbnbs. We mostly focus on multifamily. Um, what would you say are some of the differences, Jeff? And, um, are, are you kind of all in on Airbnb now going to build out the portfolio? Are you still interested in multifamily? Tell me kind of where you're not, you've done both. So what are some of the, the, the benefits of each and, and going forward? What do you see yourself doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I really like Airbnb. I really like the model. I really like the cash flow that it provides. Like you mm -hmm. think of Airbnb, it's typically a, a higher cash flow asset class, right? So I really like that aspect. I don't really like being all in on one thing. It just sure. yeah. kind of scares me. But at the same time, I understand like you need to kind of focus on one thing and make that your niche. Um, so I really have, have developed an interest in larger multifamily. Um, this past weekend, I was at the, the Multifamily Investor Nation Conference in Charlotte, North Carolina, yep. um, and just got awesome. really fired up about, you know, bigger multifamily and these, you know, meeting people who are, you know, buying a hundred plus unit complex. I was like, man, that's yep. cool. Um, and then obviously like following you and getting to know you more the last couple of months, like seeing what you guys are doing. And it's like, it's just, it's really cool to, to see. Um, and so I'm, I'm very interested in, in learning more, getting more knowledge in that, in that asset class and kind of developing a better understanding to hopefully start doing deals in the larger multifamily space uh, myself. Yeah. I think I'm kind of like you, cause I, I would like to eventually uh, do an Airbnb actively, but there's other uh, asset classes like self-storage that I think, man, right. that's a, that's a great investment class. I've had guys talk on like, that's great. But I think you kind of said it right. Like I want to diversify, but I also, there's a, there's a lot of power in having a good focus. So if you and your partner focus on Airbnb, I think you guys should stay pretty focused on that. Especially the more you get it going, it doesn't mean you can't divert your attention a little bit, but I think one great way to do it is just invest passively because now you're diversifying, but you're not losing your focus on what you're, you know, really driving as your active business. Yeah. That's a super good point. 
So Jeff, um, as you're building this real estate portfolio, now, you, now you're doing it full time. Um, you know, I, I know it's a, um, a grind. I know you got to hustle, um, but there's also a lot of freedom in it. Um, I mean, so you don't have a family yet. Is that part of your plan uh, to have a family someday? How do you see real estate setting you up for that? Kind of what are some of your things I just, and I ask because, you know, that's important to me. Uh, that's a big part of the podcast. And I like to say, hey, so you got into real estate. Um, you love it. I, we can tell that. And you jumped in for that reason. But also, I think you wouldn't have done it if you didn't think it was going to provide you a better life as well. So tell us a little sure. more about that. Maybe maybe now, but maybe even in the future as you consider having a family and, and what that means to you for real estate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I think the biggest aspect of, of being a real estate investor is having more time, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I, I hang out with a lot of people who are into tech and finance and they love working. And good, good on them. And they're, you know, they're stoked to be, yeah, I worked 80 hours last week. It was awesome. And I'm grinding so hard. I was like, man, we're, we're different breeds. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to do that. That sounds horrible. Um, I'm more of the, the four hour work week, Tim Ferriss approach, like scale outsource, you know, free up your time. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it's having that free time back has been huge. So having more time, even throughout the day, right. right. You can, you can do things throughout the day. You don't have to be in the office from nine to five, right? You can say, hey, I'm going to go take a lunch meeting over there and then go to the gym and then finish work, right? So yep. Yep. that's been huge. Being able to volunteer in the community has been awesome. Like oh, having cool. time to do that. Like, hey, we need help moving tables for this event. Like it's at 11 a.m. Can anyone come? Yeah, sure. No worries. But um, most people can't. Exactly. Most can. people are yeah. at work. Cool. So yep. it's kind of the, the little stuff like that has been awesome, especially I'm relatively new in, in Austin. Um, so being able to kind of help make, you know, meet new people and, and try to become part of the community. Uh, it's been really nice. Oh, that's really awesome. Nice. And it's going to serve you, whatever your plans are, that's going to serve you down the road. If, if you continue to have that flexibility, um, just speaking, um, from my experience, yeah, I, I, I work plenty. Um, but it's, it's when, when it works, um, right. my wife wanted to go have coffee with with a church friend this morning. So yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be here. You know, I can, I can have the kids. I mean, you know, it's summer, so they're not, they're not in school and we homeschool anyway. So our kids are home a lot, um, but I can help out all the time. I mean, but yeah, but I still work, but it's, it's my schedule. It's cool. Again, not for everybody. Uh, there's some people that like having that schedule. And um, when you're an entrepreneur, you, no one's paying you Jeff either. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta make it happen. So, you know, there's times like I could do whatever I want today, but if I want to get paid, I, you know, you got to do it. And yeah. To, yeah, to your point there, that's, that's kind of the, the main goal, right. Is to be able to like, I don't know, I, I, like I said, I don't have kids, but I really want to be, you know, the dad that's showing up to every game and going to every practice and being very involved. You know, I, I, I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts as a father. Yeah. What I would say about that, Jeff, um, it's cool that you're getting uh, set up now because where I think people kind of get it wrong is they often think, you mentioned the games. I'm right there with you. I mean, I coach, I coach my kids' teams and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's so much fun and it's so, so valuable. Um, and then we get to be in the community kind of things like you said, I, I love that part of it as well. But some people get stuck on that a little bit and they think, Hey, let me grind while my kids are young. And then when they're older and they can actually remember because kids don't remember being three, uh, sociology. And I don't, from what I read, doesn't sure. really back that up when your kids are young that's when they need you. And this isn't that popular day, but like fathers have so much to do with how their kids turn out. I would say if my kids only had me or my wife, they definitely should have my wife. She like, they, 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 they would be much better off with her, but there's so much research that says it's so important. And there's things that my wife can just never pass on to our kids. Like a father can. It's so important. I mean, the statistics on 
having a father present and active in the home. I mean, I think you're two times more likely to, to drop out or to, to go to jail, especially young boys, if the father's not present. So it's so important. And I just, I'm, I'm saying way too much, but uh, yes, being present when your kids are young, especially I think is so important. Um, and I think some people miss that. Like, man, I got to hustle now. Um, and then I can provide my, my family this great life because we'll have this money and, and, and then right. I'll go to their games. You really need to be present when they're young. So yeah, I, I love right. that you're, you're, you're going to be in a position to be able to do that. You're absolutely right. It's, it's quantity of time and it, it's hard sometimes. Um, little kids are tough, but they really do need you and, and uh, they need mom and dad. Um, especially so it, yeah, it, it's, um, that's my take on it. Can I, can I ask you another question about kids? Oh yeah. How, how old are your kids now? Six and eight. Okay, nice. How, how do you and your wife think about, because uh, I, always, I always think about this, like obviously you're in real estate, have lofty financial goals, like you're, you're buying these huge multifamily yeah. units, you're trying to scaling and you're crushing it. So how do you kind of balance, have, like hold the, the two thoughts of on one hand, being very financially successful, but on the other hand, making sure you raise your kids to be down to earth and humble and not, not spoiled? Right. Yes. How, do you, how do you guys think about that? Yeah. Good question. Um, I mean, it bothers us, especially my wife. Like we talk about money a lot and, and cause it's, and it's not ours. Like that's one thing we try to tell them like, Hey, this is, this is the company's money and, and we have right. investors. And, and so trying to teach them that, and they're not quite old enough. Like I don't worry about them bragging at school yet. Cause they don't, they don't know that like, Oh, not everybody owns an apartment building. And, and, but we're trying to t- we don't own it. Like we have a lot of investors right. and they own right, it. So right, right. There's, there's some of that. And, and also us trying not to, my wife's better, but like, cause I'm just talking with my wife about it. She's like, I don't like throwing these numbers out around the kids. Um, but no, I, we are very cognizant of that. We, we want to live humbly. Um, and we want our kids to be humble and, 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 and modest. Um, so for one, I mean, we, when we go to the properties, our kids pick up trash. So I want them to do that specifically. Like we are not too good to do anything. We will pick up trash at our property. So we may own this building and someday they don't now, but someday you may think that's cool. We are not too good to pick up trash. Our residents that live here, they're the ones that threw out the trash. <laughs> so they might be too good to throw it in the trash can. We are not. We're going to pick it up and throw it in the trash can. So um, some things like that, I, I don't ever want them to think that we are too good to do anything. Um, even at the home though, uh, we're pretty old school. Uh, we don't use our air conditioning a lot. Um, we, in the, in the winter, we burn firewood, not because we need to, or it saves us money, but because I like my kids to have to go out and get it and stack it and build a fire if they want to be warm. Um, so we're trying to do a lot of those things. We have some animals, uh, it's their job to take care of the animals. Um, and, and then, you know, this summer we're doing like a reading program and, and they have to read a certain amount of books to earn some money to, to maybe go buy a toy. So we're trying to do some of those things like everybody else. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I think one thing we've even struggled with is, you know, when God blesses us financially and, and he has um, and, and may continue to do so, we are able to take vacations and we like to do some of that. And we've struck my mind, like, I don't want our kids to think like, we're just going to go to Florida every year. Um, <laughs> but we kind of want to go to Florida every year, but it's just, you know, like, that's what's tough is like, you know, they're like, Hey, can we go to Florida? And we're like, yeah. And we want to, too. <laughs> like how did, you know, that that's definitely tough. Um, so I'll tell you what I'd like, Jeff, is if I had an Airbnb in Florida and I could say, yeah, we're going down our Airbnb in Florida. And so it's going to be great, but you're going to be working while we're Pick down up there. trash. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. You're picking up trash. So you got to earn it. Um, that would maybe be the, the dream. So yeah, it, it is tough. Um, I think for us, you know, as, as 
um, Christ followers, we do believe that God has blessed us. Um, but we also believe he calls us to be good stewards of that. So we're just trying to teach him, Hey, we have been blessed financially. Um, it's, uh, it's our job to be good stewards and bless others. So, you know, when we do make money off of, of things, we, we make sure they understand we, we do spend some of it. We do get to enjoy some of it. Um, we save a lot of it. Uh, and then I'll start to teach them how to invest their savings. Um, but then we also share. Uh, so even just, they, they had a garage sale. They sold uh, granola bars and water. And so they had to take half of that. And, and my wife uh, let them shop around um, Aldi uh, by themselves to pick out stuff to take to the homeless shelter. So That's awesome. it's like, hey, you, you, you know, we do get blessed sometimes and we don't have to feel bad about that. Um, but we are called to, to share it. So um, that was a lot. You, you didn't ask for all that. Um, it is no, difficult. No, I, I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's, a, much it's absolutely it. difficult. I would say, Jeff, you know, um, you know, you and your spouse will want to continue talking about that and, right. and you're, you're going to learn as you go. But um, well, cool, man. Well, hey, uh, Jeff, before I let you go, um, I always like to kind of sum it up and ask, um, what do you think, you know, as, you, as you're getting going, maybe, maybe it's specific to Airbnb, maybe not, but what do you think is the key ingredient to being a successful real estate investor? Oh man, I think just always staying, I don't want to say staying hungry necessarily, but maybe surrounding yourself with people who are better than you. Mm. Um, I think if that's, if you're like, you're the average of the five people you associate with most, right? So ensuring that those people are all way better than you, and then you're going to kind of yeah. come up and then yep. kind of taking a step back every now and again and realizing like, Hey, maybe I've, I've come, like, I struggle with this all the time, right? Like I always say, like, Oh, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. And then someone will ask me a question. I'm like, Oh, I know the answer to that. And like, you yeah. you'll start helping people out. And so turning around and helping people who are, you know, getting started on the journey after you helping yep. them get to where you are, but then also kind of yep. being around people who are way better. So I think yep. that seems to be for whatever reason, I don't know, unique to real estate investing, but the community within real estate investing is so focused on adding value to so many people, right? Like yes. everyone is so generous with their time and their, their ideas. And they're always willing to sit and, I mean, like that's how we met, right? Like we were just chatting we we're on the phone and yeah. it was so cool. Like we were helping each other out and it's, it's awesome. And now we're friends. We get to trade, you know, multifamily and Airbnb ideas back yep. and forth. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's such a cool community. Yeah, I agree with you. It's that abundance mentality, right? Like, right, it right. just seems, I don't know, for whatever reason, real estate investing lends itself to that or something, because it does seem like most people have that. Right, 100%. So it's, I don't know if, if we're a cult, we might be, but it seems hey, like a pretty cool one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm going to agree with you there. Um, well, hey, a little spin on that question. So what do you think, um, while you're being a real uh, a successful real estate investor, hopefully, what what's maybe a hack or something? What, what do you think is a key ingredient to, you know, for you, it's not you know, being a, a good husband or a good uh, dad yet, but maybe just leading a successful life, like being successful outside of real estate while you're trying to have success within it. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I'm very big into, you know, personal health and development. Mm -hmm. uh, so I really enjoy like outside of real estate, just reading about um, figures in history. Like I really like autobiographies and biographies, Oh, and, cool! Yeah, you know, like kind of businessy books, yep. um, but also just trying to like just be a, be an interesting person, be interested in people. Um, yes. and yeah. I'm lucky that comes naturally to me. So I really get a lot of enjoyment from talking to people and learning about where they come from and what they're interested in and you know, what they like to do on a normal day. Um, yeah. and just trying to kind of be well-rounded and learn from people and like, Oh, that's really cool. Like, can I do that with you? And then you learn a new skill and a new hobby, you know? Oh, so I love that. Yeah. 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 That's a fulfilling life, man. To, to do that kind of stuff. 
along those lines, I always like to ask for a book recommendation. Maybe it's one of those autobiographies or maybe something else, whether it's real estate related, Airbnb related, what's something you've read recently that you would recommend um, myself and my listeners read? Yeah, I just finished uh, Sam Walton's book. Okay. Uh, it was an auto, so he's the founder of Walmart. Walmart, yeah. Um, and is I, I don't know why I ordered like it was the Warren Buffett biography, the Sam Walton biography, and the Steve Jobs biography. So I read Warren Buffett and and Sam Walton. I, I, Steve Jobs is next. Yeah. Um, but just both those both those people have such interesting lives. Like yeah. the talk, like learning about America in the fifties and like when they were coming up and how they were, you know, doing stuff and and how they got involved and their mentalities. It's really really fascinating. Before I let you go, I always like to ask my guests. Um, at the end here, what, what's one way my, my guests or my listeners and I might be praying for you in the coming weeks? Oh man. Um, just helping out, making the world a better place. I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm good. I'm very blessed. I, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky to be where I am. So, yep. you know, send prayers to, to the rest of the world. Cause I think the rest of the world, we can, they can, they can use it. Make the yeah. any better. And next, next time you're in Austin, please let me know. Okay. I will. Together. Yeah, this has been fun, Jeff. Thanks so much for being on, man. Have a good one. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.